Welcome to the Round 18 Water Cooler, presented by Footy Live and live from the TLA HQ. This weekend gave fans of struggling clubs a reason to be happy, coaches of mid-tier clubs that funnels hope, and the top-tier clubs were smug as always. Round 18 felt like moving week, and so with me to sort through the shifting sands is Footy Live's resident expert in the flesh. Mm. After a G. long time. Long time coming. Welcome yeah. to In The Flesh. We'll, we'll deck the uh, studio out in good time. <laughs> but uh, more importantly, yes. after last week's results, how's your tipping going this year? Uh, absolutely terrible. Um, I've almost given it. I've almost given up. And same with my super coach side. Um, it's just getting to the point where it's just not salvageable anymore. So um, I'm instead enjoying all the upset wins. Uh, and North Melbourne's was probably the biggest of the season so far. There we go. We'll get straight into the big talking mm. point. The big news story: North yeah. finally win after 14 weeks. And so the first question to you yeah. is, uh, should you just sack your coach the week before you play Richmond? I think so. I mean, sack your coach whenever you're in bad form because automatically, Gordo, if you're not much of a believer of the spiritual side of the game. No. Last week on our weekly um, Fans I'd Viewed article, I did put in there under North Melbourne that if you're a believer of footy fairy tales, then get on board North Melbourne for the win. And it, it was just all lined up for them with, you know, the week they had. They played well against Collingwood, sacked their coach. Um, Jason Horn francis was coming back into the side. And look what happens. You can never underestimate the strength of, um, yeah, footy fairy tales and the, the spiritual side of the game. So the, the performance was literally just unbelievable. I don't think um, anyone could see that happening. I know Richmond had their, their scoring shots and didn't take them, but full credit goes to North Melbourne. And, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing what can happen, Gordo, when... Um, a group of players are just united towards a cause and just band together and, you know, get a bit of a kick up the backside and, you know, look look, look what they can produce. And North fans will be wondering where the hell that's been all season. So, and Cam Zerha, I mean, six goals. Was that, you're a Richmond supporter, was that the worst game you've ever seen from Dylan Grimes? Well, all the questions there, and we'll work through them one by one. I mean, roll it a little back. The worst game by Dylan Grimes, I don't know about the worst games. I feel like something's been missing in Richmond Probably mm. since mid-season, but basically all year. Yeah. The word Richmond is getting thrown around now and by Waitley <laughs> and uh, the rest of the SEN crew, and this one did feel a lot like mm-hmm. the, the Richmond of old when, you know, you lose to Carmichael Hunt after the siren, you, you lose to the Gold Coast, you, yeah. you lose to the, the bottom place team. In fact, we did this last time. Brad Scott got, got booted, yeah. Reshaw, 2019, comes mm-hmm. in and gets the win. So this is a very Richmond-y type performance. Um, I don't know, was that his worst performance? Probably. But mm. like, is Dylan Grimes a bad player? Absolutely not. No. Should he get sacked? Absolutely not. But <laughs> you are correct. He had a stinker. Everyone had a stinker. Mm. So what is it then? Is it system? Are Richmond done? Is it? Uh, is it? Is their you know their ethos or their philosophy on football broken? Or was it just a bad day at the office and we just can't play against bottom place sides? It's really hard to pinpoint, but we spoke about it last week. How um, have Richmond lost their X factor, or you know their, their clutchness, or whatever you want to call it, um, in those fourth quarters? They've lost a few of those these close games uh, over the course of the years. So I don't know. I, I think it's personnel. Obviously, they've got a few players out that don't have that dusty X factor in there. Tom Lynch wasn't there, um, but. Yeah, I think, I mean, after a period of time, uh, after such a long period of time uh, experiencing success, I think it's fair to say that 
things may be getting a little bit stale. Um, Richmond have lost a lot of depth over the years, and um, there's there's a lot of new players and a lot of debutants coming in who still need to you know work out that system. And um, I, I don't want to say teams are figuring out the Richmond way because I think a lot of teams are still adopting uh, that that sort of footy that won them so many premierships. But yeah, it, it, it's hard to say. I think they're they're just in a period of transition now. I think the glory days are well and truly over. I, I'm riding them off for the premiership. I don't think they can bounce back from this, um, but uh, they can still make finals. And I mean that that's all that uh, Dimmer can look forward to now. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from this. So Dimmer obviously disagrees with you. Came out in the media and post match press conference and basically said uh, system held up against itself, and it certainly did. Look at you actually look at the stats. Care of Footy Live, of course. Mm-hmm. Tackles inside 50, 15 to eight. There's a in tiger-like intensity you like to see. Inside 50, 67 to 46. Inside 50 efficiency, 33 shots compared to 22 from north. So they're well across the board there. And then just shooting accuracy, 33% compared to 64. 11 goals, 22. Pretty poor day out from the sticks. And that's it, really. If they kick straight, they win the game. Oh, yeah. They dominated the game across every other facet. But it so is how can it possibly be broken? But that's the point. That's a, that's a domination. If you look at expected scores and everyone believes mm-hmm. in that metric... But that's, they should be winning by 40 points. Now, is that enough against North Melbourne for a premiership contender? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely better than a, you know, a four-point loss. So yeah. if you were Dimmer, do you, scratch, do you say the whole thing's broken, let's burn it down, let's rebuild, let's go into crises? Or do you say, we didn't execute today, it's unacceptable, yeah. I'm disgusted, you should be disgusted, we won't review it on Monday. Mm. Maybe, it's, maybe it's a bit of Sam Mitchell, mouth guards in, gloves on. Let's maybe, go at training and wake up, boys, and earn your spots. Yeah. Or maybe it's just, you know, back yourselves in. Take a breath. If you're going to take a mark, yeah. shout out to Jake Arts. In the dying yeah. seconds of the game, maybe just let's go back and kick it. Mm. Rewall, you can't do that again. 2-6, disgusting. Yeah. But you're getting it in there, so surely it's not broken. I don't think, like I said, I mean, teams are still adopting that sort of uh, style of football that, you know, what, what Richmond has made themselves famous for pretty much. And, like you said, they yeah they executed it over the weekend. Um, besides the scoreboard, um, yeah, I, I, I just I'm putting it down to the players. Um, I, I wouldn't be throwing it out the window. Um, I think it's yeah still a period of transition with these players, this group. They've lost a lot of experience. They've lost a lot of depth. Um, it's just a matter of trying to find that yeah Richmond of old and that grunt. And yeah, maybe. Well, they can't put on the boxing gloves anymore. But yeah, maybe some um, some. Tough, hard drills in training just to get them back uh, where they believe they should be. There you go. So, obvious question, and everyone's been saying in the media, mm-hmm. would you want to face Richmond round one of the finals? If you're a fifth-place team against an eighth-place Richmond, are mm. you scared? Or you're like, well, we finished fifth, so we deserve to be here. We can take these Tigers. They're, they're, they're gone. Yeah, oh, it, it's very hard to say. Um, I, I still think Richmond have lost a bit of that fear factor. If you asked me a few weeks ago, I would have said I'd hate to play Richmond, um, especially at the MCG. We know how loud and uh, noisy the the Tiger Army can be, but I think just over the last few weeks, um, and even last year, um, obviously not from from not making finals, I don't think teams are as scared of them now as what they used to be. And um, there used to be a lot of perceived pressure, I feel, when, when facing Richmond, Um yeah, but uh, that that doesn't happen as much anymore. And I think if you're a Collingwood or um, a Carlton um, or even a Sydney, if you're playing them at, at the SCG, 
you, you'd back yourself in over the Tigers, and maybe I'm being harsh, but um, that's just the way I see it. Now, the flip side, obviously, is this meant, was meant to be all about North. The good mm. news story, the Roos finally get a win, broken their 14-week 14, 14 streak of losses. They got their, their new coach, the interim uh, Adam Lee, in there with a win. Congratulations. But then, obviously, the whole plan was we've just sacked our coach. We're mm-hmm. going to go into the double rebuild. We want the number one pick. Yeah. This is North Melbourne's next five games. Hawthorne, yep. Essendon, Sydney, Adelaide, Gold Coast. How many wins is too many wins? Should they be tanking or tanking in inverted commas? Or yeah. do you need to build this winning culture? I think winning culture will always tops draft picks. I, I would always want to win, um, yeah, ahead of ahead of losing. Building a losing culture, Gordo, I mean, wh- why would you want to have that next to your name, two wooden spoons? Um, even when you win a premiership, uh, even if North wins a premiership in five years' time, they'll be like, okay, but what did it take? It took two or three wooden spoons, um, and that's going to stick to their name, uh, stick to the club's name for the rest of their history. So, definitely win games of footy. Um, they need, especially North Melbourne, they need to um, really inject that culture into that group, uh, give them some belief heading into next season. Um, even over those next five games, though, I know they've been playing well over the, over the last fortnight, but it's still going to take a lot for them to. Uh, win a few more games. I think from from the from the list you just read out, I think the only one they can really win, or I can see them winning, is Hawthorne next week in Hobart. Um, obviously, Essendon's been playing very well lately, so I wouldn't really say that's a, a you know a very winnable game. They've got the Crows, yes, but it's in Adelaide, and they're probably due a win too. And the Suns and the Swans are obviously very tough customers, so. The, the Hawks game this week could be a good opportunity for them to win, but um, and they'll want to win it for sure. Um, and yeah, I, I don't really see much difference between finishing 17th and 18th. I'd rather finish 17th and not have that wooden spoon. There you go. So a bit nervous about Friday's results, and we'll get to them in the preview <laughs> podcast on uh, on Thursday. Clearly, Hawthorne is scared. But uh, and then the final question obviously comes from our number one super fan, Dario. He's not in the office this week. He'll be online for the rest of the season. However, here is Dario's digest. We'll be back after a quick break. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Dario's Digest, giving you something to digest every single week. Just a quick one, boys. Seems like the top seven is set with who's making the finals. Is Richmond going to be that eighth team, or do you see another team sneak in? So the obvious question is, everyone wants you to pick their letter. We mm-hmm. did say at the top of the episode, yeah. our tipping sucks, everyone's tipping sucks. If your yeah. tipping is good this year, frankly, you don't know much about football. Yeah, That's how it goes in seasons like this. But who are you tipping to take that last spot in the eight and to give you, our, you know, some names to consider? Yeah. Sixth is probably the last team. I reckon Collingwood's safe. 48. 
So I reckon, I reckon Sydney and Carlton are safe. So you reckon there's only one spot left? There's only one spot left. Collingwood is only three wins inside the A. Yeah. Only no. three wins, but there's no. five weeks left. Three wins is enough? <laughs> it's, it, it's more than enough. Like, what are they? So they're two, they're still, between Richmond and Carlton in seventh and eighth, there's two games separating them and yeah. percentage two, I believe, or no? No, no Richmond has the better percentage. Okay, but still two games, and I've, I analysed this very uh, thoroughly yesterday, Gordo. Yes. The Richmond, the Dogs, the Saints, Port Adelaide and Gold Coast, they all have a pretty tough run home. I think they've all got three very tough fixtures each. Mm-hmm. So I don't see them any of them winning uh, all five games or even four games in those um, last five. So um, I, I, think, I think there's only one spot left in that top eight and it's between those five teams. Uh, and... I also locked in a team yesterday too, and it is going to be Richmond, despite uh, not beating, um, despite not beating North the other day. So, um, yeah, unless unless something drastic happens and Richmond lose three out of their last five, mm-hmm. I think they will uh, pip that eighth spot by percentage. So the problem here with Richmond, obviously, is they the the, the more you lose mm-hmm. r- recently, the worse it feels. Might yeah. not be for the club, but definitely for the media. Mm-hmm. So they've got Frio next week. At Brisbane home. the week after, both at home. At home, yeah. Brisbane. They don't win at the played, MCG. Played with COVID, they don't win at the MCG. Yeah. Frio, got a bit of the wobbles at the moment, not looking at their best, but still obviously a top yeah. four side. But let's say they go zero and two at home at the MCG. Okay. Now Richmond's in full Richmondy mode. Yeah. The season's kind of like capitulating. <laughs> yeah. There's rumours about Dusty going to Sydney, and then they have to try and jag three out of three against Port Hawthorne and Essendon, which they should probably get. Which they should actually know. Port Adelaide is in Adelaide too. <laughs> yes, and that's, that's there, and Port Adelaide is a team looking to take that spot yeah. in the eight there yeah. as well. So well, they just need to win three of those last five. Yeah. Three three wins in those last five will be enough to secure finals berth. Um, yeah, so I expect them to beat Essendon and Hawthorne, and I expect them to at least get one win from yeah Fremantle this week at Marvel, Brisbane in at the Gabba, and Port Adelaide over in Adelaide, which is probably the most unlikely out of the three to be honest. So, and actually they they don't really quite they don't play quite well at Marvel either, which is interesting. And Fremantle do, so that's going to be an interesting game. But I expect them to beat Brisbane at the MCG. So if they get those three wins. Richmond's locked, unless uh, the Dogs, they're only percentage behind them. So unless the, the Bulldogs um, yeah, get a massive percentage booster, I can't see Richmond dropping out of the top eight. Yes, and the Dogs had a much tougher task with Melbourne, Geelong, Fremantle, the Giants and Hawthorne in the final week of the year. So it's Richmond's to lose, but yeah, it's going to be a very tough ask. Uh, as we said, the Pies are a lock. You reckon they're funnels bound? Oh, yes. And yes. that is your good news story of the week. Yeah. Son of a gun. Dacos with his 40 touches. Unbelievable. Is he the best first-year player you've ever seen? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, the stats back it up. I mean, what we saw on the weekend was just, again, unbelievable. 40 possessions, three goals. He's the youngest player to ever get those sort of numbers in a game of footy. And um, even the, the closest that we've ever seen to that was Lee Matthews and Brian Wilson in the 70s. So, um, and that's it's pretty good company to be in. But what, what separates Dacos from the rest, and particularly the best players in the AFL at the moment, is his kicking. 
Like I would put my life on him to hit a target or kick a set shot at goal. And I think a lot of stars in the game at the moment, like Paddy Cripps, um, Nat Fife, Paddy Dangerfield, they're not the best kicks of the footy. Mm. Like you would not, um, again, put your life on them to kick a set shot for goal, even directly in front. Um, so, I mean, put a couple of pre-seasons into Nick Dacos, build his body up. He's going to be the face of the AFL. Um, I'd even go as far as saying he's going to be the next Gary Ablett Jr. That's how much um, that's how much hope I'm putting into him. Um, but he's a generational talent, and he's going to be a very, very special player for a very long time. And the rising star is all but locked now, Gorda. So obviously, with that, he's already comes from a famous from his name, mm-hmm. and not only was his father famous, but he was also famously good. Yes, for the Pies. How much of his development needs to be taken with a, a gentle approach? If he was playing for Hawthorne, he is saying to Sam Mitchell, get him in the midfield. He got 40 touches from half back and half forward. Mm-hmm. Get him in the midfield. Get, get him in the ball as much as possible. This, this is now his team. Yeah. And I don't care he's only 20. I don't care it's his first year. Yeah. Just give it to him. Or do you say he's only 20, yeah. he's undersized, he needs, to, he needs to fill out, he still needs to develop. Mm. Let's not burn this kid out. Let's just let him do what he does. And, you know, he can, it can be his team when the, the penal breeze of the world yep. retire. Yeah. I, Which I mean, approach would you take? Definitely the, the safer approach. I mean, what Craig McRae has done with Dacos this year has been a masterstroke. Um, and I, I don't really buy into all the talk about him getting cheap possessions off halfback and, you know, oh, he isn't that good because, you know, he's playing off halfback and not in the guts. To still get 40 touches as a 19-year-old playing in a, you know, a league full of grown men and players double your size, it's still an incredible feat. And I'd keep doing it until he just continues to get more and more comfortable and, yeah, get his body more and more up to shape until he's primed for the midfield. And we did see him move into the midfield a few times over the weekend and over the last few weeks. So they're easing him into it and it's the best thing for his development and it's, yeah, doing wonders. And, I mean, he he is almost Collingwood's best player and if you're going up against Collingwood, he's the one you have to tag, I think. So I think a lot of teams will be doing that over the next few weeks and it's going to be interesting. So definitely protect him. Um, No need to throw him into the middle because Collingwood is still winning games where and Dacos is still being the most influential player on the field. So don't fix what's not broken or however that saying goes. And um, yeah, he's he's doing just fine where he is and yeah, there's no rush at all. There you go. So the other bit is obviously you've locked them in. You've got the green pen out, which is a pleasant surprise for you, Mr. Mr. <laughs> green is. pen. Yes. Mr. Negativity. They're locked in for their funnels campaign, but... They've won eight consecutive games, five of them by single-digit margins. Yeah. Now, I've said this to you before in the office when Hawthorne had its fantastic run into the top four. Yeah. They got lucky. You yeah. said, no, didn't, they didn't get lucky. They deserved to be in the top four. We won those games yeah. fair and square, which you did. But you won them by single-digit margins and you exited the finals in straight sets. Yes. Collingwood are in for the top eight now. Mm-hmm. Are they finals ready or are they single-digit wins? And close wins against teams like Adelaide, a sign that they are getting lucky, taking yeah. the moments when they come, which is obviously a skill, but not ready to cement themselves for a finals campaign. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely a sense of overachievement with the Collingwood team. No one predicted them to make finals. And um, yeah, this run of eight games in a row, which could be extended again on the weekend um, against the Bombers. Um, but I, I think they're in a, a different spot to where that 
what was it, 2018 Hawthorne team were. I think that 2018 Hawthorne team was still fading out and, um, yeah, definitely did overachieve, overachieve in hindsight. Um, but this Collingwood side is a, is a young group. Um, they're obviously going through a transition. So just to make finals and get experience into these kids is going to be valuable for the long run. And, yeah, even if they do get knocked out in straight sets, I don't think... They, they wouldn't care because, again, they, they didn't expect to make top eight. So, um, and if they, win, if they win a final, that's bonus. I mean, you're, you're getting finals experience into Nick Dacos, Oliver Henry. So, yeah, who really cares about, uh, who really cares about how they perform in finals? Just get there and that's a massive achievement for the footy club. And I think they're in full support of your uh, glowing recommendation there. They are funnels bound, if not funnels ready. Mm. But they're ready to back their list in. So mm-hmm. all this week we've had the rumour mill about Jordan Degoe, yes. the increasing rumours about Bertie Grundy. Yes. Uh, so apparently Collingwood shopping Geordie. Mm-hmm. And so now uh, Jordan's like, um, I'm going to shop myself around too. Yeah. And so now it's just a free-for-all. Everyone's opened their cards. St Kilda and Geelong are sniffing around to go, apparently. Mm. And there's always the ongoing rumour mill about Grundy and how he wants to go back to South Australia. He hasn't come out and said that openly. He's always no. open as yes. to goey. But yeah. is, can, is Collingwood ready to move on from these two players? Because it wasn't that long ago, probably before some photos on a Bali trip, mm. that Jordan Ngoe was their most important player. Their yeah. barometer, the, the yeah. thing that was going to save them. And then yeah. it wasn't that long ago before that that yeah. Brody Grundy was Collingwood's most important player. And, you know, they cannot win them without the ruck. He was the, the yeah. Max, Max Gorn's only, you know, rival for the best ruck in the competition was, was, yeah. uh, was Grundy. So is it right to move on from these players? Or if you were a Collingwood fan, are you saying keep these two in the, in the team? Um, I mean, yeah, it depends which one we're talking about. I think with Dugowie first, I mean, Collingwood are playing good footy uh, at the moment, promising footy that could be uh, sustainable for the long run uh, without Dugowie being too influential on, on the footy field. Like, he's not playing his best footy. He doesn't have his 2018 form. Um, and same with Grundy, he's not in the side at the moment. So it seems like they're coping all right. Um, so... I, I think it's probably better for the, um, theoretically, um, looking at it, if, you, if they get rid of Dugowie and Grundy, get draft picks, free up salary cap room, and because um, we can't forget this is still a side that that is in tra- transition. Um, they don't need a 26-year-old Dugowie with all these you know off-field issues surrounding him at the footy club. I think it will be more beneficial for them to let go of that, yeah, free up some salary cap space, take some pressure off the club off the field uh, with such a, you know, a, a controversial figure, it has to be said, in Dugowie, and um, bank some draft picks, which is probably still what they need, I think. Um, there's still a lot of aging players on that list that's gonna, that aren't going to be there in a couple of years' time. So um, th- they'll need replacing eventually. And, yeah, Dugowie, um and Grundy as well, uh, yeah, the, the, it seems like they've got a new Ruckman in Cameron at the moment. Again, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. Is Cameron going to be their next Premiership Ruckman? Is Mason Cox going to be a Premiership Ruckman? Probably not, um, depending how quickly they can um, rebuild and again become a enter that premiership window. But um, I, th- I think they'll be more beneficial with draft picks and salary cap room. And then when they are ready um, to really load up and go for a premiership, that's when I'll be uh, uh, bringing in some free agents and 
yeah, making big moves in the trade period to bring players in and be those finals, final pieces of the puzzle. So, yeah, it wouldn't be a bad idea. But on the flip side, like you mentioned, um, Geelong and St Kilda, apparently in the hunt for Dugowie. I couldn't think of anything worse for those clubs, to be honest. St Kilda already have so many um, recycled players from other clubs and they've, they've been using the trade period for years now. And if they don't make finals this year, the pressure is going to be on them to make it next year. And if they don't make it next year, they almost have to rebuild again. And mm. then they're going to have Dugowie, who's on a massive contract, earning massive money. And then in two or three years, they'll probably be looking to trade him again. So I, I, if I was St Kilda, if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't be going for to go eat, but Grundy might be uh, better off, yeah, maybe making the move back home to South Australia. He might be more beneficial to, like, an, a young Adelaide side or even a Port, Port Adelaide side. So, yeah, obviously you've said there that you probably wouldn't want to go eat at the Hawthorne for a, for a rebuild as a, mm. you know, a cultural figure or <laughs> no, a, definitely. A, a leader around the change rooms. Definitely but not. are you paying a million dollars for Grundy? So apparently that's the uh, the contract that's sitting there at the moment, six years and a million dollars for Collingwood. Yeah, yeah. They've got um, themselves into the uh, Adam Chalor conundrum again. Yeah. Uh, so would you would you would you be happy if Hawthorne was paying a million dollars for Brody Grundy? I think he's more of a seven to eight hundred thousand dollar type player. But if I believe that if your club really has the need for a certain position player, then you you should be willing to pay anything to get them over. So. If there's a club who's you know really gunning for a premiership and really lacks a ruckman, um, maybe Sydney, maybe Brisbane, or maybe so the Bulldogs. Yeah, the Bulldogs, uh, definitely. Um, then yeah, why wouldn't you pay that sort of money if if you know you're, you're going to get a star ruckman um, that can really um, help bridge the gap from you being like a maybe a top eight, top four side to really being a, a solid contender. There you go to go eat to match up with Trelaw and have both of their half their paychecks paid by Collingwood. So next 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 Bulldogs premiership will be funded fifty percent stakeholders the Collingwood Football Club. Perhaps. So there you go. <laughs> to round out the episode, of course, we're going to do our real deal or fake news, mm-hmm. getting through all the talkback issues that we have heard out throughout the week. Uh, the first one is, of course, the Suns extended Jews contract too soon. No, I do not believe that at all. I, I was happy that he got his two-year extension. Uh, we spoke about it last week. Um, they had a good response, um, winning over the Tigers. And just because they, they had a disappointing game against the Bombers, I'm, I'm not j- jumping off that bandwagon. I think um, it, it was the right move to give him uh, some job security, give the players some security. This is a really important time for, for the Suns because they believe they've got a team good enough to fight for finals and if they go and um you know bring in a new coach or something like that and pretty much that's just going to reset everything and all the hard work that Jew's done over the last few years is just going to go out the window so this is a time where they just need to stick fat stick with him back him in and um hope that he uh yeah gets them that maiden finals next year which Mm. is definitely achievable and on that with a question about notice obviously Alexa Clarkson is rumored to be making a return next year Yes. But obviously yeah, the Alistair so. Clarkson tree of coaches mm-hmm. is quite extensive now. Yes. Do you believe it's a character that would stab one of his former protégés in the back for their job? So there's all these, all these rumours going around, but like at the end of the day, would he even take the Gold Coast job? Because then he's replacing Stewie Jew, one of his beloved, yeah, yeah. beloved ex-former players and former assistants. Mm. Yeah, it, it would be conflicting uh, for sure for Clarko, I think. Um, 
Yeah, but that, that, I guess that's the business that they're in. But I don't even think, yeah, Gold Coast probably were the least likely team, I think, out of all the contenders for Clarko to get it. I think it's still very much a, a GWS North Melbourne race for him. Um, I don't really put Essendon in that uh, contention either, despite a few of the rumours over the last couple of weeks. But, um, yes, it, it, it would be conflicting for him to answer your question um, if he was to replace... Stewie Jew, not that, uh, I mean, Stewie Jew wasn't really a, a, under he, Clarko's coaching reign in the coach's box. He was a player, but um, still, I think they're very close and good friends and, yeah, it'd be a bit awkward. Hmm. Speaking of awkward, Freya played some awkward football on the weekend. Yes. You've been a massive uh, dissenter of boring football. Can yeah. Freya win a flag playing the football they played on the weekend? They're boring, conservative, defence-first football. I've actually enjoyed watching Freo play this year. I wouldn't really put them in the boring category. Um, I think what made the game a bit dire on the weekend was Sydney's ability to slow the game down, play a bit more possession-based football, keep the keep Freo's hands off the footy, which they did br- brilliantly. And um, no, Fremantle's style of play is more than uh, capable of winning a premiership. Premierships are won from defence, Gordo. You need a you need to have that defence down pat. You wouldn't want to be all out attack. That's when I'd say it's not sustainable. But, um, yeah, Frio, I think their issue on the weekend was not being able to adapt to uh, Sydney's change that they made after halftime to control more of the footy. Uh, probably caught Freo off guard a little and they didn't know how to defend it. Um, so I think what they need to work on is a bit more of their attack and maybe their plan B, but they're still a young side. Again, we didn't expect them to make finals or top four, so... Well, you didn't expect them to make finals. No, I didn't. Credit, credit where credit's (laughs) due. Um, But, yeah, I I think uh, Frio, they're still learning and they'll just take that on board and they'll be better for it in the long run. Speaking of teams that built on defence but have plenty in offence, Geelong rolling through the wins now, Mm -hmm. rolling into favouritism, Again, Waitley said that the Carlton-Geelong game was 1v2 for the holder of the premiership belt, the most yes. likely team in the AFL. Yes. Are Geelong the clear number ones now? Yes, absolutely. They are They are the clear number one favourites. They're playing the best footy at the moment. Um, but it's nothing new. I mean, the last few years, Geelong have been the best home and away season side, um, or one of at least, in the top two. So... Um, yeah, I'd have them as premiership favourites right now, but again, it just it's gonna they're they're gonna be judged by their finals performances. Um, no one no one's gonna remember in twenty years Geelong finishing top of the ladder or top two in these sorts of uh, in in yeah twenty twenty two twenty twenty one um, twenty yes, twenty nineteen they might remember they, they might remember that run. It's yeah. a pretty impressive run. <laughs> it's an impressive <laughs> run, but they they've just got to put it. They've got to get a flag. They want a flag. Yeah. They, of course, they want a flag. Um, so yeah, they, they're going to be judged off of that, and um, it's it's hard to really see them. Um, yeah, not making the grand final at least. So it's going to be interesting. They're looking scary good. Scary good indeed. Speaking of scary, there's nothing scarier than a big man with a mullet <laughs> rampaging through the midfield after the set of bounce. Exactly. Was Sam Draper the bona fide, unquestionable, unbeatable mm-hmm. goal of the year? Yes. 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 I, I was watching that game live and... Hey, I mean, how often do we see a, a Ruckman do that? Just burst out of the middle with his own clearance, 
get the follow-up handball and take on a player, uh, do the don't argue. Um, yeah, it's not like he even just tried to run around his opponent. He full-on gave him the stiff arm and finished it off with a banana. Like, yeah, that's, that's goal of the year, easily. Um, it's going to be hard to top. Yeah, but is it only goal of the year because it's Ruckman? Yeah, but I think that you need to take that into consideration. I mean, he's over 200 centimetres, hmm. like, and to be <laughs> running half the length of the field, uh, weaving through players, yeah, it's unbelievable. Hmm. I mean, even if it was a midfielder, it would be a bloody good goal. But that just sounds like a, a, a regulation dusty goal from his heyday. Oh, yeah. Stiff arm, you know, get inside 50, yeah, the goal. It'd still be talked about, though, I think. If, it would be, it was... but it wouldn't be goal of the year. But again, I, I still think you need to take the <laughs> Ruckman factor into consideration. Yep. Ruckman don't do that. They have no right to do that. So well, There you go. But yep. Sandraper has taken that right for all Ruckman. So take note, replicate, and you too could win Goal of the Year. <laughs> Speaking of context, we have plenty more context for you on Thursday's episode of the Weekend Preview. The Weekend Watch List. Nicky G will be there with his expert analysis and tips. Uh, but until then, um, stiff arms for days. Mullets <laughs> are glorious, and uh, we'll catch you all on Thursday.